Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking at dinner or cutting the grass, which you turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. to comment. Actually, I don't even want to comment. I want to tell you biblically what God says about a situation that's going on that everybody's talking about. And it's about what if accusations come against a leader or the Bible would call an elder in the body of Christ? What are we supposed to do about that? And how are we to handle it? You know, I'm kind of not that interested in hearing everyone's comments on how they think they how their churches handle how we have to handle it what does god say about this and how could have all of this been completely prevented if we had been led by the holy spirit and the word of god and wanted to do things his way and not man-made ways and man-made way of handling things and so my first response when i heard about this person who number one um uh, you know, I really respect, I've, I've seen the minister, I saw this person when I went to Brazil, and, and I, they were extremely anointed, and that was in 2019, um, and I've seen this, uh, I think, was that 2019? Maybe not, um, probably 2017 or something, but anyway, and uh, years and years ago, I went uh, to their, their church before they had even, they had a really huge church before God had them lay that down and they began uh, a ministry. And so, um, truthfully, it doesn't really matter who is getting accusation. Um, what is the Bible? How do we handle this? So let's go to, so first thing I do is I look it up in scripture. So First Timothy 5.19. So in the King James, it says, Against an elder, and who is an elder? According to this, an elder is a senior, um, a member of the church, a presbytery, someone who, if you look in the book of James, you have the elders lay hands on you. So an elder is someone who has a ministry calling, someone who has, is respected as anointed by God, someone who walks with God, and, um, and you would go to them for prayer, you would go through the, to them for ministry, and... And God considers those people um, to be respected as elders. So now the Passion Translation, it says, refuse to listen to suspicious accusations against the pastors or leaders who lead the flock unless you have two or three witnesses to confirm the accusations. Okay. Can I say that two or three people making individual accusations about a different time is not a witness. What's a witness? Somebody who saw it. So, and I just want to put this out there for everyone in, in ministry. I think this is great for anybody in a business anywhere. And anyone who knows me knows we always do this. So listen, I don't know if Caleb's here, but he, I already told him this. And Karen, if I ever talk to somebody 
about something important, not just, if you're going to talk to me about something important, I always bring someone in. For one thing, I am never going to have a secret that I'm the only other person who has. Okay, I'm not doing that. I'm not having secrets. In, on our staff, if you go to one of our ministers and you'll never see them by themselves. If you do, you're not going to be talking about anything important. And, and you will never see a man and a woman by themselves. But nowadays, I highly recommend you just don't have any just one-on-one uh, ministry kind of things. You can have friends and you can go out and you know you're good friends. That's different. But if it's having to do with the church and with the ministry, then, then you need to, to um, Jesus always sent them by twos. Jesus always sent them out by twos. And so wisdom is, okay, if, if I'm not allowed to even listen to an accusation against someone without having a witness, then for the safety of the people in your church or in your Bible study or in your ministry, you should require that there be two people if they're going to talk about something important. If they're having some kind of consultation, whatever, that there should be two. Because otherwise, you can't give in. You, you're not supposed to accuse an elder. The other highly recommended thing there is several elders. People who are anointed, people who love God, people who are above reproach. So the other thing that really, um, well, let me go on and read it. But if, you, but if indeed you find that they have sinned, this is the, bring correction to them before the congregation so that the rest of the people will respect you. Oh, does God not want things done in secret? So many times we say, well, could you, you don't need to say that in front of everybody. Kim, do you know one reason we have so much unity here? Is because we don't have secrets. The other thing is, the Bible says, if you confess your sins one to another, God is faithful and just to forgive sin. When Satan can hold somebody in shame or hold a situation into shame, then he can torment you. Then he can, can continue to um, hurt you. I also believe it's really clear in scripture, and we do that here, when Paul says he doesn't let the men, the women minister to the men. Well, he's talking about a pastoral position there. I do not pastor men in this church. I oversee the whole church. But if you're going to be talking to s about some personal mess, if you're a man, you're going to be talking to, to, to one of the men in our churches. And not guess what? It's not going to be just one. There'll be two in the room with you talking to you. Okay, why? Because the Bible says so. Because God wants to protect everybody involved. Plus, you might need... You, you need that somebody needs to hear what somebody's ministering. If they're ministering wrong, you know, Peter has, it was Paul, the new kid on the block, who rebuked Peter. So we're cool about that. We don't have a high, um, some kind of hierarchy around here. It's like, no, if, if Steve is ministering to someone and, and Caleb's the one doing the talking and Caleb's, you know, uh, it says something that doesn't sound right to Steve based on the word, Steve's going to step in and say, wait a minute, we need to look that up in scripture. Okay, that's what we do around here. And I really encourage everybody to get off their high horse out there in ministry land and begin to let Holy Spirit lead you the way we're supposed to do this. All right, I'm just going to be real. Let me see. Um, 
it goes on. So then you tell the whole congregation. Um, and this is you actually bring correction to them in front of the whole congregation. Now, this is after it's been proven that the accusation isn't false, right? So how would that be? There was another witness. Now, if there is no other witness, then biblically, you can't bring an accusation. You just have to really pray and seek the Lord that they themselves will confess. If you don't have another witness, then you, you, and you're offended by that person, then go to that person and tell them. And if they don't repent and make it right, then bring someone with you. Now, if it's somebody who has crossed lines sexually, I would recommend bringing somebody with you the very first time, right? And never being alone with that person ever again. I encourage every person, if, you're, if you've got your own business, some of the men in this place, and you have to go to a house, and there's just one more, then you need to go out of your way to stay out of her way. Okay, you don't even want it to look like something inappropriate. How many know a lot of people lie? Okay, so the other thing, let me see what else is. So Timothy, in the presence of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, and before the chosen messengers, which in this case, God's angels are there, I solemnly charge you to put into practice all these matters without bias, prejudice, or favoritism. So Paul is instructing Timothy here, look, this is how... We protect the people in this church. This is how we protect the ministers in this church. This is when we're going to know the devil can be up to stuff. Satan's accuser, the brethren, the enemy's going to try it. Therefore, make sure we do things and there's witnesses. Because how many know when the enemy does this stuff, it's a sneak attack. I think it's really neat when uh, another really known pastor prophet came to our church and his wife and his daughter and all were with him. And everywhere, we, the, the battery in their bus, their big bus, we had to go find them a new battery for the bus. And it was over a holiday. And so I had to drive them around. And not only did I and the, the prophet not be alone in the car together, honest to goodness, I promise everybody, God, no, I don't have eyes for anybody but Jesus Christ and my husband. But I, I respect it that they always had another person go with us. And if they hadn't, I would have. And you'll ask, I'll say, I'll call Karen and say, hey, you know, somebody's in town. And I totally know it's above board, okay? But I'll say, can you join us? Why? Because I don't want other people in the restaurant thinking, oh, who's she with and what's going on, okay? What are we doing? We're helping them not to sin, we're helping them not to get suspicious. We're stopping the enemy before he opens his mouth and starts. And how many know we're living in a day when this is really important? Right? I mean, it was important back in the days when Paul is telling this to Timothy. So think how much more important it is in the day we're living. And I'm just going to be honest. Uh, he, well, he goes on, he says, um, so he goes and he says, Timothy, in the presence of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, before even the angels in the room, I solemnly charge you to put into practice all these matters without bias, prejudice, or favoritism. So Paul is praying over him. And as, as the person that God, that he's, Paul has, as the overseer, is having him go forth and do these things led by God. And he's praying for his, and he goes on, don't be hasty to ordain them with the laying on of hands, or you may end up sharing in their guilt should they fall. Keep yourself pure and holy with your standards that are high. Now I'm going to read that one. That's 522. Um, 
And this one says, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep yourself pure. I, I also see that as transference of spirits. Like I'm not going to lay my hands on somebody that the Lord doesn't tell me to lay my hands on. I don't want any demonic thing in you being transferred to me. I'm also not going, I, I can see Brian uh, Simmons who, who did the translation of the, the passion translating, seeing because of what Timothy's talking about, that he's seeing this as ordaining people and calling them into ministry, that you don't do this until you know who they are and what's going on with them. But let's all admit to the people who've fallen and God's exposing in the hour we're living in, most of them were well known, most of them were anointed, most of them, it's been surprising about these things. Not all of them, some of the, the really easy ones to see have already been exposed, but now God's uh, exposing those things done in secret. The Bible says, Anything you do in secret or whisper in secret is going to be shouted from the housetops, okay? There are a lot of scriptures, um, especially in, I think, the Proverbs, that tell you to be careful of that uh, woman who has a seductive spirit. God wouldn't, and, and the Bible's very clear for women to dress modestly, Okay? So, oh, are you blaming the victims? Number one, I don't call people victims. I also don't like the accusations being put out there with no facts or details about what. Because you're opening up everybody to have to cast down imaginations about, oh, what happened? So what are they releasing? They're releasing suspicion. They're talking about suspicion. They're releasing suspicion. Don't say anything till you're ready to correct them publicly. That's what he says. Once you do this, and there's a witness, truthfully, you're not even supposed to receive until there's two witnesses, not two different accusers. So it's like, oh, what do you do now? Well, the thing they have to do now is they need to go, if they were offended, take someone with them and see if this person will apologize and how can we work this out. And the person, if, how many know God knows how to get you if you're hiding something? How many know David, he went all the way to the point of murdering, um, was it Bathsheba's, what, Bathsheba's husband, having him murdered. So when she has a baby, nobody's going to be able to tell that David had had an affair, um, especially evil because it was one of his main commanders in the military who's risking their life's wife. And so David seemed as if he got away with it because he had him killed. And then he took Bathsheba in because he's such a good man, right? He made it like his wife. But what did God do? He sent a prophet. He sent a real prophet who knew. Can I just say God knows how to handle this stuff if the church would get out of the way of making up ways to handle it based on whatever they're basing it on? So I'm perfectly secure in the Holy Spirit's ability to convict this person if they're guilty and to have them do what's right without stirring up accusations, without getting people into speculation, the sin of speculation. 
um, there is a gigantic difference between someone as a pedophile molesting young people versus a grown woman who made a choice to say yes to an advance. I'll give an example. When a certain president did some horrifically horrible things in the um, Oval Office that made headlines because he did these horrible things, um, they're horrible because he was married to someone else and they're horrible because it was also perverted and he did it with uh, an employee who was much, much younger. But if anybody thinks that I feel really sorry for the employee who was much, much younger, who made a choice to be there, who didn't run out screaming, um, I don't really see a victim. I see two people who sinned. And I see one whose sin is worse because they were married and because they were doing something inappropriate in a place that should hold respect and honor. But I don't make one the victim and the hero. And the other one, I mean, they both need God. They both need to repent. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this victim cancel culture that we see all over our nation, you're now watching God show you what I've told you. Whatever you see in your nation is in the church. So we right now have a victim cancel culture. And I know that there was another minister a few years back who was anointed, pretty good minister. I mean, and later on, years after damage was done, three or four different young men had told the truth because God convicted them that they had all made up an accusation against the pastor about him molesting them on three different occasions, three different times. They weren't eyewitnesses, but what they did is they got together and they all collaborated on a story that would ruin this person. And it pretty much worked. Why am I saying this? Because nobody knows the truth except for God and the two people who were involved. And mainly because they didn't have an eyewitness. How many know if they had an eyewitness, it probably would have never happened? How many know God knows that? How many know that's why he tells, Paul tells Timothy. Paul's like, we're not going to have this nonsense here. If there's not an eyewitness, you don't even listen to an accusation. You don't think about it. You don't talk about it. If there is an eyewitness and it comes out to be true that a leader, an elder, or anyone did something inappropriate, then they've affected this entire church. That's what he's saying there. And they need to apologize publicly and confess publicly what they've done. Now, that's Bible. And one of the things we've got to realize is that God is big enough to convict people of sin. Can I just let everybody know, no one gets by. By the time it's said and done, justice will happen. Well, let me say this. Justice will happen to everyone but Christians who've repented and put things under the blood because then Jesus already paid the price. And that's still justice. 
So I think we're entering into a time when we had better uh, do things biblically, and we also had better quit taking the place of the Holy Spirit. The reason so many people are involved in these things is because of doctrines where these people have to be accountable to these people have to be accountable to these people. How is that working out for everybody? How about if we all get accountable to God? How about if we let God be God? What if Holy Spirit knows how to do this? And I'm just going to say this because it's going to bug anybody else I haven't bugged already. Say this, how do I say this? First of all, if you oversee a ministry or a church and you actually think that everybody's going to walk away from Jesus Christ because someone falls into sin, what are you saying about the people in the church? There's not a single person in this building who would leave a relationship with God or leave being where he calls them to be because of anyone else's sin. So when I see these people and I'm not knocking them, it's just like coming from, it's coming from a, anyway, it's coming from a spirit of superiority where there is leadership that thinks that they're the big guys and you're the little guys and they're going to treat you like your babies that can't even handle. Where do we see that in the world? We're all making, everybody's making fun of the, the college kids who have to have a safe place. And then I'm watching people defend all this to say, you have a safe place here. People, your safe place is in Christ Jesus. He has headship. If somebody's disconnected from the head of Jesus Christ because somebody else falls into sin, maybe you never help them get connected to the headship of Christ because you connected them to the headship of covering doctrine and people taking the place of God. I can't imagine a single person here who would walk away from God if any of us fell into sin. I'm praying I'm not going to fall into sin if anybody, people pray. And I don't do things in secret. Everybody knows it. Well, you shouldn't do that. There's nothing you don't know. And you know what? There's nothing other people don't know about you. I mean, it's not, that, it's not gossip here. It's concern. It's love. We don't. I do not see if this person did cross lines, and maybe they crossed horrible lines. I'm able to separate that person from those demonic spirits. I'm able to hate the demonic spirits and what they did. I'm able to recognize that this person is going to be tormented and have terrible life and mess everything up because he's outside of God's will, and the spirit of conviction is going to drive this person bonkers until they repent and get it right with God. However, if these are false accusations, they're going to have peace. They're going to forgive. They're going to walk in love. They're going to have to forgive these people with the spirit of accusation who are imagining things or making things up or things that were already taken care of and they're trying to bring it up. And they're going to have to recognize, God, only you can take care of my reputation. But I'm praying. So I'm going to pray for the people involved, okay? I'm not calling people victims unless they were super young. And I promise you, if these were children involved, somebody is really wrong if they haven't dealt with this. I don't believe for one second they were children involved. 
and therefore I'm not calling people victims. Okay, can, can we get past this too? Okay, I'm just going to say, all right, even an 18-year-old girl should know that sleeping with somebody's husband is wrong. Also, even if they're 18, I don't know anything about it. I'm just saying, I'm saying go into the worst scenario. Even, why inside a victim? Run out screaming. Run out, don't ever go back to that place and be thankful you didn't fall for it. I'm just over everybody being treated like poor little victim. There's no scriptures about that. I'm just telling you in the church, it says that God stands behind his servants who serve him, who walk with him, who do powerful things for him. And he says, don't even receive a suspicious accusation. Don't even receive an accusation unless you have at least two witnesses. So if you want to keep people safe because you don't trust the elders in your church or just for the sake of not letting the devil play this stuff, then make sure there's at least another person when people are talking to somebody. Right? Because this shouldn't have gotten to this. So Father, right now we lift up every person who's being accused and the spirit of suspicion that's being released because of it. How? We come against the spirit of suspicion we ask, Lord, that you set your church free, that you open their eyes, that you break off all covering doctrine, all doctrine that's a web of causing all of this confusion, of causing people to look to people instead of to God. Lord, I break off every lie of calling anyone the head of a church. Headship belongs only to Jesus Christ and his church and the natural husband and their wife. That's the only two terms where headship is appropriate. So Lord, we break off these assignments of Jezebel. We break off these assignments of, uh, of accuser or the brethren. We break off these assignments to destroy people's reputation. So we lift up these people. Lord, if we believe they're innocent until you bring them to their knees in confession with your conviction spirit or if they were witnesses to the actual event, not hearsay. And then, Lord, according to your word, to not even start rumors and not even start suspicion, we thank you that they will publicly be called to correction and there won't be any secret meetings, secret investigations and all this other stuff that's causing so much confusion. And Lord, when we get it out of the church, we will see it lose its authority in our government. And we give you praise for your ways. Lord, we also pray for anyone under the conviction of giving in to any kind of advances from someone. Lord, we pray for conviction to come to anyone who's just completely lying. Anyone who has somehow bought into a lie and the enemy's twisted things in their thinking. 
Lord, we ask that you would convict them. So, Lord, you know who's involved. Are there two people involved who both need conviction of the Holy Spirit? Then thank you, Holy Spirit. You know how to get a hold of them. Lord, if there's only one who needs conviction, for whichever side it's on, I thank you, Lord, that you will cause your spirit of conviction, break the power of their seared conscience. So, Lord, we thank you. This is in your hands. And you know how to be God, because that's who you are. Lord, we pray for the accuser. If they need to come under conviction of the Holy Spirit, that there will be mercy and someone will help them get free from a lying spirit, a Jezebel spirit, a twisted spirit, whatever. Now, Lord, we pray if a spirit of conviction comes on the person who's being accused, Lord, that they would cry out to you and they would publicly repent and make this right and ask these people to forgive them and get free from a tormenting spirit. So, Lord, we thank you that you are more than capable of settling this whole thing. I would give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you love this teaching, and you better say you love this teaching, then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us Come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you.